With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash spoken. That's linkedin.com slash spoken. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Well, given the way the season had gone before the pandemic, it was always going to happen, wasn't it? After 802 days, Manchester City have finally lost their grip on the Premier League title, the defeat at Chelsea starting the party in Liverpool. But let's not pretend that it's all doom and gloom, because we've known for a while that it was coming, and City have still got a lot to play for this season, Started with the FA Cup at Newcastle on Sunday, and then with the August format of the Champions League as well. For City, there's actually bigger things to talk about too, as it's confirmed Leroy Sane will be leaving the club soon ish and Sergio Aguero is out for the season after knee surgery all of that is coming up on today's Blue Moon podcast I'm your host David Mooney I'm joined by two City fans in the shape of Howard Hawkin hello and one football Stan Burke hello so uh, we are recording this directly after uh, City have lost at Stamford Bridge so like we're, we're talking like the full-time whistle was minutes ago um, City are no longer champions uh, I'm going to start with you Howard how, how does it feel well, can I just thank you, first of all, for doing this <laughs> right now so I don't, can't go on Twitter anyway. So. <laughs> uh, don't, don't feel anything because I kind of, I think it dawned on me, I don't know, December, January time. <laughs> uh, obviously, when that moment occurs, it's annoying. It's frustrating and annoying. But they, no, they've I mean, well, that's... they've done well to put it off till June, haven't they, I suppose? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hardly the, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it was obviously going to happen and I'd, to be honest, you know, there's other things I'd like to drop points and not get 100 points, go, you know, be centurions. But to be honest, I'd like it over sooner rather than later. So it does, just doesn't bother me. It's uh, more frustrated at a performance of City than anything else, to be honest. But I suppose that's. That's the key, isn't it? Really, Dan. Yeah. Um, City have been City have been frustrating this season, and I, like I said in the intro, it was a, a matter of if and not when. Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, we, we've not played well tonight. I'm more more annoyed about that than than sort of missing out on the title. Given that we've known, I mean, I've known since about September when we lost at Norwich. I think that it was it was not going to be our year. <laughs> yeah. All right, it's not yeah, a competition, the way, boys. <laughs> and the, the way City have played this season, you know, I think he, you know Liverpool have been have been awesome, have been insatiable. You know, they've they've won all but one game. Well, they've lost one game all season, haven't they? I think even if they'd had a a, a sort of uh, slightly uh, less incredible season. We wouldn't have won the title this year because, well, yeah. the stat now is that we've lost as many games as United this season now, haven't we? So, I mean, that says it all really. And, and tonight was just such an, one of those frustrating performances. Defensively, was really poor. You know, missing chances up front. It was it was just a bit of a shit show, unfortunately. Well, let's let's discuss uh, first off Stamford Bridge um, because I mean the opening goal, in fairness to City, did come against the run of play, um, but it was it was one hell of a howler, wasn't it, Howard? I can't excuse that. I mean, they're saying it's a double howler, but no. Well, it's a double howler, but one player. I excuse Gundogan for that, who was clearly telling Manny to stay away, basically, as that ball you know, came 
uh, from a free kick. I mean, it just nothing sums up the season that City can have an attacking free kick. And if you knew there was going to be a goal 30 seconds later, how on earth does it end up in our net, not theirs? <laughs> it's, it's just, that's the problem with, you know, Liverpool being consistent. It's just the mistakes we've made this season. It's so many. I think we've shot ourselves in the foot, it feels like, on so many occasions. Uh, and that really summed it up. It was terrible. It was just the lack of football intelligence there was unbelievable. But even after giving the ball away, after passing it to no one, to to then dive in, you know, it's just like we seem to have two Otter Mendes now in the squad. So, <laughs> well, Otter, Otter and Mendy, yeah. yeah. So it's just. I just, I mean, I learned that as a six-year-old not to, you don't dive in. You've got, he's the only man forward, Pulisic. You just, you delay him, you shepherd him away, you hold him up, you foul him if you have to, you know. But, oh dear, it's so frustrating when you see things like that because it's so unnecessary. Don't mind if City don't play well every match or the other team scores a goal, you know. It's a great great goal. (laughs) Yeah, of course. We're playing great sides. They might play better than us. But when we... When we do stuff like that, I think it does sum up the season. We were just never close to recapturing last season's league form because, yeah, well, there's so many reasons, but that that defensive, the defensive lapses, you know, just consistently really have really undone us. What about uh, the second goal, Dan? Because uh, that was a VAR decision that that seemed to take forever for actually what was possibly one of the most blatant handball red card <laughs> decisions that, that that could ever yeah. be given. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was Tammy Abraham who was near at the time, wasn't it? And he was going mental straight away. So you knew that something had happened, even if you couldn't see it in the, in the sort of initial um, passage of play. And then, yeah, when they showed it, I was sort of, I don't know, I was kind of half hoping that they might have deemed it to, that he just kind of moved his hand and accidentally touched the ball or something. But yeah, I think he meant to do it, didn't he? And you can see Fernandinho's face while he was well, yeah. sort of position. <laughs> he knew exactly what he'd done. He knew exactly what was going to happen. So uh, part, yeah, part that, that was... Part of me just wanted it, like, like part, even watching the replays, I was trying to come up with an excuse for it to not be, not be handball penalty red card, mm. just because I wanted, I wanted it to be another one of those goalmouth scrambles where somehow the ball hasn't gone in because that's how City had decided that they were going to defend in the second half. Yeah, it was it was shocking that they defended all night, really, especially in the second half, as you say. I mean, there was that that instant when Walker cleared it off the line. Um, and, you know, Fernandinho, um, aside from giving the penalty away, I thought he looked really past it tonight. I mean, uh, I don't know if we can get another season out of him as a consistent player at centre-back or definitely not in midfield, I don't think. You know, he's, he's 35 now, is he? Um, so, that, so that's worrying, I think tonight. I mean, I know I know he's just come back from a long break and perhaps he's taken a bit of time to get up to speed, but there were a couple of times when he got caught out by a ball over the top and and, and it was really poor. You know, we'll, we'll see what we're like without him against Newcastle at the weekend because he's suspended now. Um, but yeah, the, the, I mean, the whole thing was shambles and, you know, Otamendi coming on. I think you put in our WhatsApp group at the t- when he came on, Mooney, didn't you? That we're losing now. And then that he, he was sort of involved in the second goal a bit. His clearance was really poor and he just, you know, doing his usual sort of fish out of water type thing and it was uh, it was it was coming that goal wasn't it I'm afraid yeah I mean Howard let's uh, just touching on uh, Benjamin Mendy um, is 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 he playing for his future in the in what remains of this season yeah I think Pep if boy Pep had any hair he'd be tearing it out it's just he's been doing okay and you know if we'd had strikers on the pitch he might have had a couple of assists yeah it, but of course it's just not it's not good enough being you know looking good going forward got to be really, you know, 
disciplined at the back as well. Yeah, you know, left back first for me. Defending comes first. You know, it is still a defensive position. I know the modern fullback is just a different beast altogether. Uh, but he's not made. You know, obviously, I can't remember a lot of the games before the break or the details. He was doing. He was doing real, plenty of steady performances, and as long as he was fit, I was quite happy. Uh, now, by making one mistake, we can't just write him off. But yeah, I don't know. It just seems if he stays fit, it just seems a lack of intelligence to what he did on that pitch is wooing for me that it's not a one-off. You know that 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 discipline's not there with him. Uh, we don't have much many options. Inchenko can't be a long-term left back. I just can't see that being you know for a club of our stature, it just cannot be an option really. So. Even if even if Mendy settles down and becomes the best left back in the world, you know we still need another left back anyway, and I think that is something that has to be addressed in the summer. He is coming off the back of two long term injuries, though. Dan, does that give him any sort of any wriggle room here? A little bit, I think. I don't know really. I mean, there was um, I was looking on Twitter at the end of the game. You know that Twitter account, the um, images, football images that precede unfortunate events. I think it's <laughs> yeah. called, and they showed the the quote the quote from Mendy that was doing the rounds there about him saying, you know, he's come back from these injuries, he's fighting fit now, and he really wants to get back on track. And then he, you know, he played like that tonight. I mean, I think it's important to remember that he was before the coronavirus break. He was getting back to a bit of form, Mendy. I think uh, Real Madrid away, he had a really good game, if I seem to recall, even though that feels like another lifetime ago now. Um, but yeah, the, the injuries have just ruined him. I think he's he's lost that yard of pace. You know, look look at the play that we had those first few weeks after we signed him. He was he was you know getting up and down the wing like nobody's business. He was crossing. His crossing was incredible. You know, some of the best crossing I've I've ever seen at City in that, those those couple of weeks. And then you know what? I think he's had two cruciate ligament injuries now on both knees. It's going to take its toll on you. And I just don't, I don't think he's ever going to get back to the the player that he was. Unfortunately, I think you know. We spent fifty million on him, and it, it it would have been good, great value for money if he'd not got those injuries. But I just I think it's over for him. To be honest, I think we've got to be looking at addressing that position properly in the summer. Yeah. Um. In terms of of the bigger picture for the season, um, I, I suppose the Chelsea game just kind of sums up everything. I mean, we talked already about City being on top. I mean, in in a weird way, they they didn't they had a lot of the ball, but didn't do a lot with it. And I suppose that 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 sort of sums up. Pretty much every game against the big sides this season, Howard. Can't really go to town on the performance because before the match, pretty much everyone said it didn't matter anyway. This match, and there is the caveat that there's no normal, you know, circumstances aren't normal. I assume the team came down today. We've made seven or eight changes for the second game on a row. Yeah, we've got a great squad, so we're well placed to do it. So it's also, third game in what five days? Eight six days? Yeah, eight, eight days? Is it? Yeah, eight days. Yeah. So, and obviously it was damn hot, which is not should be an excuse for. But you know, when you come in, when they're not, they're probably still not properly fit, and there's a lot of little caveats and personal circumstances that we can't really take much from league performances, especially when there's not much on the line. To be honest, and if anything, we've scuppered United's Champions League chances. So, who knows? Maybe they threw the game, <laughs> uh, but a lot that. A lot of the game, they were pretty good, you know. But that—that's what's frus- that's what's even more frustrating. They were really good, and they've lost. It's kind of yeah, you know, we lost two nil at Chelsea. I don't know, a couple of years ago, and we dominated, didn't we, in the first half? And then they scored from the first chance. It just felt like that again. Uh, yeah, these are some of the more frustrating games compared to when we just, you know, if we've just played badly. It's 
And I'm not sure why. I think there are excuses, but we've seen it before in a way, you know, where we've dominated the ball, but not really created that much. And I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of this strikeless system just because it worked at Old Trafford for 45 minutes and maybe it's linked to that, but I don't know. It, it just seemed a bit of a mess to be honest. Dominating the ball is one thing, but if you don't, you know, if you're not clinical with it, it counts for very little, as we saw. Yeah, and I, mean, I, I, I suppose again, Dan, the, the the other situation is we spoke to Richard Jolly about this a, a couple of weeks ago on the podcast. The, the the idea that City have created decent chances and not taken them is is possibly the most frustrating. Their expected goals is better than Liverpool's this season. Their expected goals against bizarrely is actually better than Liverpool's this mm. season, and yet here we are, what twenty what twenty two points behind, uh, unable to yeah. catch them now. Yeah, that, I didn't know that. That is mad, to be honest. But you know, you, you can't really put it down to bad luck. I don't know what you put it down to. I mean, the the the, the great example from the game tonight was you know De Bruyne scores that brilliant free kick. We go uh, one all, and, and we're playing really well. And you think City are going to win this game now, and they have that that great breakaway. Sterling has the chance, and you think he's. I mean, he's got to pass that to Gabriel Jesus, if you ask me. Um, he goes for goal himself, hits the post, and that was the chance. Really, if if that had gone in. We probably win the game, but then you know I've not seen the post-match stats from that game. But I suspect that Chelsea probably had more chances than us because I can't really recall us creating anything clean cut after that at all. Um, you know, it's like it's, it's very it's eerily reminiscent of Pep's first season when we would sort of need four or five chances to score one goal, um, often conceding from a, from the you know opposition's first attempts on goal. That's that's been a feature of the season again. So the whole thing has been very frustrating. I, I don't really know how we get back to the level we were next season because, you know, it's it's sort of well documented that after Pep's first season, they went out and bought new fullbacks, a new goalkeeper, um, you know, all all those those key signings that they needed and, you know, might, I mean, the the market's different now. The, the yeah. coronavirus has had a, a massive impact, but also it's likely to be Guardiola's last year next year. So are they going to yeah. make massive investment ahead of that? I don't know. I mean, they, they said that the priority is going to be a centre-back, which is absolutely right because they need one big time. But I, I don't know who they're going to get, really. I, I couldn't really give you a name that's going to like oh that's going to that's going to sort of change the fortunes overnight and really transform things like Virgil van Dijk did for Liverpool. I don't think there's anyone out there at the moment who's available. Who who would do that for City? So I'm a bit I'm a bit skeptical about our chances of of getting back to our best next season. Okay. Koulibaly has been mentioned, but you know if we're mm. I think we'll have very different transfer targets according to whether we're in the Champions League or not. I assume. Let's talk uh, about the the week as a whole because uh, obviously City played uh, Burnley this week as well, and it was all it was all going fine after that game. Um, the big talking point from that game, though, didn't happen on the pitch. It happened above the pitch. Um, Howard, what when when it, when it dawned on you that there was a plane flying overhead with the phrase "White Lives Matter" Burnley behind it? What? How? How? What did? How was you? How did you react? Well, the same as I hope ninety nine percent of the people that saw it reacted. Uh, just staggered, to be honest. Just staggered. I don't know how to put it into words. Uh, just the ignorance, stupidity. I know you put in the notes. You know, should we should we be drawing an example or bringing attention to things like this? Well, this is not a, a fa- you know Facebook post on some obscure page. This is a plane going over the ground at kickoff. You know, as as the players as you'd expect them to take the knee. You can't ignore it, can you? So, all I will say. There's very little I can say about the stupidity of the person involved in this, and he's paid the price for that stupidity. 
I'm, I would all I would say is well done to Burnley as well for how they reacted. I saw a lot of people criticise the club. You know, as soon as this happened, this was nothing to do with the club. This was a, an individual doing a terrible, ill-advised, stupid, ignorant thing. And I think the club, you know, have, like a lot of clubs that have problems with fan bases like this, and you know, all fan bases have an element like this, have worked hard behind the scenes to make you know and done community work to make things better and will continue to do so. So their instant response on Twitter and the statement they put out was excellent. And ben, ben May post game as well was fantastic. Ben May, yeah, and Graham Souness and you know, was I think I spoke for a lot of people, you know, who you know, have been educated like I, you know, have learned a lot over the last few weeks. And that's the thing, it's about education. And it's about not turning a blind eye in the future. And it's on people like us three here who have just you know, who have no idea what life is like for other people, <laughs> uh, to help in that process. So I'm glad attention was brought to it and I'm glad these things do not get swept under the carpet anymore, and nor should they ever again. Is there is there a wider point to this, Dan, as well? In that uh, that it's it, it's it's all one good now at the moment. The the Premier League players taking the knee and them supporting the Black Lives Matter um, motion, um, but they they're kind. Of, it's now the point for actually action to be taken. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, well, we're seeing action. You know, the 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 guy responsible for that that playing battle has lost his job, as we, we've seen in the last few days. Um, and you know, like Howard said, the only thing you can really do, uh, you know, if if you want to be on the right side of history here, is is call these things out. You know, I was um, working uh, reporting on the game uh, the other night, and as soon as I could hear there was, I was just you know, watching the game on TV. As soon as I could hear there was there was a plane going around, I knew it was something bad because there's never anything good on these planes, is there? Really? <laughs> It's, it's, it's always something horrible like that or something stupid. So I knew I knew there was going to be a problem straight away, and um, and I was I was sort of in two minds about whether to to report on it, whether to sort of draw attention to it, publicise it, um, because you know maybe in, in, in some cases just ignoring these people is is quite a good idea sometimes. But kind of starving oxygen sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but when Burnley released that statement at halftime, I did a little little piece on it, and I basically in in the headline I, I wrote. Um, some like Bur- Burnley condemn racist banner because that's what it is. It's racist. It's an act- that is an act of aggression. You know, you you can understand um, people being a little bit confused about the Black Lives Matter movement and you know uh, you know talk about all lives matter as a lot of people have been doing recently. You know, I think not everyone when they talk about that it comes from a, a vicious place. I think you know some people are just a little bit um, uneducated about the issue. But White Lives Matter is an is a, an act of aggression and a, a racist act you know, racist statement. So, yeah, I think we've got to call this out. I think, you know, we've got to hand down heavy punishments for people who are, who are, who are you know, being racist in stadiums in future, um, ban them for life, you know, give them custodial sentences if necessary. Um, that's the only thing we can do. And, and, you know, I feel like things are getting a little better. And, you know, the, the Ben Me interview is a great example of that, that, you know, you are now getting white players calling this stuff out, which is something that hasn't really happened before. It's been a very much a black issue for a long time. And um, I think we are moving slightly in the right direction, but it's going to take a long time. And you only have to look at the replies to, you know, tweets about this stuff to see that there are a lot of people mm. out there who aren't on our side on this issue at all. So, yeah, I, ho- I hope it's not going to take uh, too long to, to sort of get these people on side. Well, let's let's talk about the football from from that game as well. Um, Phil Foden was was impressive in that game, Howard. He's been impressive since since football's return. A bit of a shame that he wasn't involved at Stamford Bridge, but I suppose he, you know he's he has played a lot in those two games. Yeah, well, I think he's well. I, 
did read he had some ice on his uh, thigh or somewhere after the game, so I think it's a tiny knock. Uh, obviously, it's not that long ago since we played them, so you only have to get the smallest of knocks and you're out the next game, aren't you? So nothing serious. He's just not quite fit enough to play against Chelsea. But yeah, he's been he's surpassed even my expectations. I knew that he'd be filtered into the team and he's never let us down. And when he does play, he looks excellent. But it was a class above against Burnley. Maybe these are, you know, obviously the tougher tests ahead. But he's just, he's not, we're not calling for him to be in the team now because he's a local lad done good. We're calling him to be in the team because he's better than the alternatives or as good as. And that's where we're at with him now. So I do hope, you know, that was only his fourth league start of the season. Uh, but what a performance that was! Just all action, you know, up and down, uh, a bit of everything. I do hope he gets, you know, if he's fit, say on Sunday or for the, you know, the Liverpool match, even that he gets plenty of action for the rest of the season. I, there's I sub- no re- no reason for him not to now. You know, he's turned twenty. He's, he's good enough. Uh, he should be in the team. He should be vying for places just like any of the you know most established international players. I suppose it's a mark of, of Guardiola's faith in him as well, Dan, that, that he's come out and said, well, we don't need to spend any money on replacing David Silva because Phil Foden is the man that's going to do it. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if that is actually the case. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if they did, you know, especially after a performance like tonight when they've not been very creative, if they, if they do think about dipping into the transfer market for someone when Silva leaves. I certainly don't think they need to. I would really love to see Foden just step into that role. Um, I think they, they missed him big time against Chelsea. Um he said after the Burnley game that I think he was he said it was his best game in a city shirt and I'm inclined to agree with him, but I don't recall him having a bad game in a city shirt really. You know, he's he's mature beyond his years. He was you know, you look at the um, the Carabao Cup final against Aston Villa this year, I would say that was probably his best game. I thought he was awesome there and he played out on the right flank on that game. So he's Man first match as well, wasn't he? I think. Yeah. yeah, he was incredible. You know, his touch is great, his finishing's great, he's confident. Um and it's not just City fans who know how good Foden is. There are a lot of football fans who, who watch City and, and notice what what an amazing player he is. You know, he's still only... Is he 21 now? I think he turned 21 recently, just, didn't he? Or 20, I think. Has he just turned 20? Right. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the, the, he's got such a bright future ahead of him. I'm a bit more confident now than I was that he's going to sort of spend that future at City because there was a little period when I was a bit worried about the way Guardiola was using him and whether that he would start getting itchy feet and, and you know, want to end up going to Borussia Dortmund or somewhere like that. Um so it's, it's going to be exciting to see how it goes. And I, I would really hope that he does just, just step into that silver role because I think he's more than ready. Final point on uh, the game against Burnley as well. Uh, Howard, Sergio Aguero went off with what looked like quite an innocuous injury. It turns out he ended up needing surgery. He says now that it's went, that it's gone well and he's feeling good. So, I mean, it, I, I suppose <laughs> it's, it, it's positive. But then again, he would say that, wouldn't he? Yeah, it's like that. Uh, just tweet this for me, will you, that it's gone well. and Just the same as every other player ever has after every piece of surgery. Uh, uh, yeah, if surgery doesn't go well, then we're in big trouble. So, yeah, it's it's you know, it's what they always say. We've no idea, to be honest. Uh, it doesn't matter for the league. Uh, the FA Cup is of some importance, but not the end of the world, I guess. But obviously, the Champions League. The thing with the Sergio is, you know, when he comes back off an injury, he does that often take a couple of weeks to get going. Uh, and he won't have that time, so I am worried. I was say not not ideal if you if you if he's back in time for the Champions League, but it's played over what four or five days or so. Yeah, and just look at the formation played against Chelsea. You know, we've got Jesus, but he can't play every game anyway. So maybe he'll be you know left out of quite a few league games. 
But I wouldn't want to see a formation like we saw tonight in a big Champions League game. Or, well, any Champions League game from now on is a big Champions League game. I'm not. I'm just not convinced it would work. So it's a, it's a big, big loss. Really, it's la- really the last thing we needed, or one of the last things. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's uh, time to move on. And the news was confirmed this week that Leroy Sane wants to leave Manchester City. His intended destination is most probably Bayern Munich after a rather public courtship from the Bundesliga side. Sam Roscoe's been looking at the news and discusses what could happen next. Ain't no sunshine when she's gone. It was in his pre-match press conference for Burnley that Pep Guardiola dropped the bombshell. Leroy said he don't want to extend the contract next season. So it means he want to leave and it's going to happen this summer or on end of contract. Let's be honest, the revelation doesn't really surprise anyone. After all, a contract offer to Sane has been on the table for some time. The club told to me offer two or three times, extend his contract, he rejected so and he want to play in another club. Guardiola was asked if talks were definitely over with Sane or if there was the possibility he could change his mind and stay. The manager's answer was conclusive. If at the end of this season arrive agreement and both clubs is going to leave, if not, it's going to stay one more year, it's going to leave and end of the contract. It's not often City lose a player that they want to keep and Guardiola is disappointed an agreement couldn't be reached. When we make an offer on players because we want him. He's a young player with incredible potential, with incredible quality, special quality that is difficult to find all around the world. But we tried before the injury, we tried before the go to the cirurgy and after that, but he rejected. So we want players who want to play with this club, who want to play with us, who want to full commit to try to achieve our targets. Given how many City fans still see Sane in the team's most dangerous front three, it's disappointing for them to see the winger decide to move on too. Here's supporter Richard Burns. The fact is that we are losing a sensationally talented footballer. I genuinely believe that Leroy Sané has the talent to be the best footballer in the world. And he might not get to that, you know, it's not a sure thing. But I think in his raw ability and in the progression that we saw from him, which did stall, no two ways about that, but um, in that progression we've seen from him, there's so much about him that tells me he can be the best player in the world. I'm really sorry that we won't get to see him do that at City and that he's, he's leaving with his best years ahead of him. That's the, that's the real shame of it. So just why has it ended up like this? Here's the Athletics' Sam Lee. There's two parts to the Leroy Sane situation. One is that he wants to leave Man City anyway and the other one is that he wants to go to Bayern Munich. The first part is pretty simple and that's that over the... F- last two years or so, him and Guardiola have basically got a different idea of how much he should be playing. Guardiola wants him to be as focused and switched on as Raheem Sterling and Bernardo Silva, and he doesn't feel that he is. And Sane thinks he should be playing more. He wants to get out of Manchester, and the other part of it is he wants to go to Bayern Munich. It's unfair to criticise Sane this season. He has, after all, been injured for all of it so far. But it's notable that when City were pushing Liverpool for the title last season, the winger wasn't as involved as many fans wanted him to be. After scoring the winner against Liverpool at the Etihad on January the 3rd, he made 21 more appearances in City's 30 games. However, he started only 12 and completed 90 minutes in only three. The FA Cup win at Newport, the second leg thrashing of Schalke, and a tight Premier League victory over Cardiff. The contract offer has been on the table for around two years, Never really got off the ground. Um, Bayern Munich came on the scene around March, April 2019. And basically since then, 
I think it, people at City have pretty much known that he was going to go. The injury stopped that happening last summer. If he hadn't got injured, he would have gone. So now the question is, what happens next? City have a player who has no intention of signing a new deal and can leave for free when his contract expires next summer. That means any buying club, Bayern Munich in this case, could choose to wait instead of meeting City's valuation. Here's what Richard Burns wants to see happen. They've got to try and do the deal with Bayern now so that we've not got a situation where we've got a player who everybody knows is leaving, um, where we might be reluctant to play him or he might be reluctant to play for fear of getting an injury like he did in the community shield. The best situation is to try and get the money for him now. That said, I wouldn't advocate City caving in and just getting rid because they know it's happening. I think there's a point to be made here that they won't just roll over because the player wants to go. But, as Sam Lee says, there is a problem with trying to strike a deal. Bayern have got form for low-balling a team when they've got a player that Bayern want to sign. He's only got a year left on his contract. If the club don't accept that offer, Bayern will offer them a huge signing on fee, maybe something like €20 million, Euros, and that might be enough to get him on a free. Obviously, that carries some risk with it, but that is a possibility now because if they can use the money to get Kai Havertz this summer and they can persuade Sane to wait 12 months, it's a pretty good deal for Bayern. However it ends, though, you can't blame City fans for being a bit peeved with how Bayern Munich have conducted themselves. It seems like anybody with just a vague connection with the Bundesliga champions were brought out to talk up the deal. There was probably only the janitor who had yet to give an opinion on the topic. It's frustrated Richard Burns. It's not a good way to go out doing business. I think there's a lot in Bayern's approach that smacks of arrogance. They throw the weight around and, and they get away with it. But then part of me sort of thinks, well, they've got what they wanted. I'm not sure it's the best way to do business. I think they could have got Sané by having a word quietly with him as well. Um, I don't think they need to be pulling sort of former legends and, and directors and, and whatnot out of the woodwork to be making comments. But... It is what it is. The deal's done. The certainty now is that Sané is going to leave, whether that is this summer or next. For City, the question now becomes one of future planning. Should they try and replace him? And if so, who with? Or are there other parts of the squad they could improve in a bid to challenge on all fronts again in the seasons to come? You can go your own way. Hi there, this is Joe Royal speaking. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast and carry on doing so. For a pledge of $2 a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash blue moon podcast. Sam Roscoe looking at the uh, transfer saga for Leroy Sane. Um, first things first, Dan, uh, you're obviously based over in Germany these days. Um, can I get an honest assessment of what you think of uh, Bayern Munich's conduct in all of this? <laughs> uh, well, this is what Bayern Munich do, man. This is what they did with Mario Goetze, with Robert Lewandowski, with Mats Hummels, with uh, Leon Goretzka. They do this all the time. They, they're always in players' ears. Um, you know, the biggest club in Germany by an absolute mile. So I think, you know, any young German player is, is attracted by the idea of playing for them. And... Um, you know, tapping up isn't even a thing in football anymore. It used to be a big scandal, didn't it? Now it's sort of par for the course. And 
you know, I don't, I don't agree with the way Bayern Munich necessarily go about things, but you know, they they've got some great deals over the over the years. Their record signing is eighty million euros, and I think before that it was forty million euros. So they don't spend a lot of money. They've you know they've won eight Bundesliga titles in a row now. So they're very shrewd operators when it comes to these things, and it's unfortunate when you're on the um, on the receiving end of it. But I think you do have to have to respect the kind of uh, dark magic of it a little bit. On, no, on, on the receiving end, how, how are you feeling? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> so just the United of a uh, of a uh, the the nineteen ninety nineties Manchester United of Germany playground bullies really who <laughs> usually get their way as well. So there's a reason they don't have to spend that much money because they just uh, <laughs> get inside yeah, players. Spot on, yeah. They strip the best players of every other team, and uh, you know. And essentially, you know, they'll just keep offering a derisory amount. And if the player wants to go, then the deal will happen. And that's what I feel will happen with Sane eventually. So I take it, Howard, you're less than impressed then. <laughs> well, what what is a team press with? It's all been played out in public, and you know, obviously they feed stuff in. All clubs do it, of course. So yeah, it's just me being a bit of blue, I guess. But. <laughs> Yeah, there's very little to be impressed with <laughs> how they have conducted this transfer chase. I mean, look at the uproar that we played him in a community shield. I mean, how dare we play one of our own players in a football match? I mean, the absolute arrogance of that club is just staggering at times. So, Put it this course, way, though, I, I kind of wish that City could be a little bit more canny like they are in the transfer market sometimes. Yeah, yeah might have to be soon, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, we we put it out there on Twitter uh, and asked what what fans thought should happen next. Should City sell and uh, get whatever they can from Bayern Munich, or should they should they not uh, not bow to the uh, to the lower offers, uh, keep Sane, play him for the, the the remainder of his contract, and let him leave on a free. Fifty seven percent of those that got in touch uh, said that they'd sell him now, whatever the whatever the price, if it was cut price. Uh, and forty three percent said that they uh, would make him stay and uh, and play his final year out, which which kind of goes to show that that the fan base is split over this. Um, a, a range of opinions. Mike Pops on Twitter says one hundred percent sell, but we see if we can nick somebody in a swap deal as well. Uh, Mike GP says keep him and let him go on a free. It increases the chances of a longer term stay. He'll want to play because of the Euros and will be put out thinking that Bayern don't want him. Uh, John Dean says he's only got a year left, so it was always going to be cut price anyway. Plus, Bayern would have known he wasn't signing a new deal, regardless of whether Pep said anything or not. I think I'd rather take the money now than keep him for a year. Who says his knee won't become problematic? Uh, Mancunial says the reason I voted for leave on a free is because that would hurt Bayern a lot more than the actual insult that they've shown City. Uh, ben M says, I think it depends on the availability of his replacement and Sane's attitude. My preference would be to sell now, but we should only do that if we're assured we can get the right replacement at the right price. And Rilla Johanna says, uh, voted sell as I don't believe that he'll play if he stays. Pep will only make him sit on the bench and 40 million is better than nothing. Um, so where do you guys sit on this one? Dan, where, where do you sit? Should, should City keep him and play him or should they sell him? I'm in two minds about this one. I mean, on the one hand, you know, 40 million is the, is the figure that's been touted for him at the moment, which is an absolute steal for a player of his quality isn't it because he's worth at least 100 million now 40 million in that context doesn't seem like a lot of money but you know given financial fair play given the coronavirus situation given the potential champions league ban that could be quite a significant amount of money that city could put towards a a new signing in the summer so in that regard maybe we better off selling him maybe if he does stick around for one more season and leaves on a free is he going to be that motivated next season um, knowing that it's going to be his final year at the club and he's he's not really, you know, his future is at Bayern Munich. I don't know. On the other hand, um, I think we need a player of his quality next season. Um, 
you know, with David Silva leaving, um, we, Phil Foden is, is likely to play more in, in the sort of middle. So we, we can't use him out wide, I don't think. Bernardo Silva's had a poor season. Raheem Sterling's not had a very good season at all. Um, so I don't know, maybe maybe we would be better off keeping Leroy Sané. I, I really cannot make my mind up on this at all. No definitive answer from Dan then. Howard, are you, are you one way or the other? <laughs> uh, well, it's a tough one because you want to annoyed by Munich, but it really doesn't help us to keep him for the final year. And some good points here that those other you know, people have said on Twitter, but I think the chance, of course, he can sign a pre-contract, I think, in January, can he not? I yeah, think with can, someone. Yeah. So the chance of us, of him staying, getting form, or whether he's in form or not, changing his mind and signing a new contract with us are really minimal, really minimal. He's already decided now. I mean, much as I love the guy and his ceiling is you know, just as high as any City player, even if he's not done it consistently yet, and obviously serious injury has not helped. If any player is capable of phoning in performances, it's him. And you know, it's lost him. I think you know, commitment to the cause has lost him a few selections uh, in the last you know, a couple of years ago. So I understand. I don't want us to roll over by Munich, but you know, the transfer window's not even open yet. It, it, they will get him, I think, and I think it'll just ease up a bit from forty million. And there's not much we can do with it because to lose forty million and pay his wages for a year, if he's not, if he doesn't want to be it, isn't in our interest. So you know, essentially, you do whatever's best for City and take get them what money you can, try and get it up a bit, and we have to buy a replacement. Yeah, well, uh, attention now turns to uh, the FA Cup for this weekend as City head to Newcastle. Uh, Dan, does this benefit City with the lack of home advantage for Newcastle now? Do you reckon, or does it, it or, or is the behind closed doors thing not really having that much of an effect? Um, it's not having as much of an effect. Like, for example, I think I, I talked about it last time I was on the podcast at the Bundesliga. There was sort of home advantage had kind of gone as a thing in the Bundesliga for the first few weeks. You know, there was all sorts of random results going on. Whereas that's that's not been the case so much here. Um, so far, I mean, City have quite a good record at Newcastle anyway. Um, obviously, we didn't play particularly well there earlier this season. When we I was going to say, struggled recently, though, in fairness. Yeah, but before that, we we, we, we had a, a real good run of wins there, didn't we? So I don't know if, if I mean, the atmosphere can get quite quite toxic at St. James Park as well. So I don't know if they always have the sort of Geordie roar behind them, um, inspiring them to, to victory. Um what I think might be sort of more of a uh, benefit for City is that result tonight. I hope so anyway. You know, the, the league was already gone uh, before the game. We know for sure that it's 100% gone now and the the, the best chance of, of sort of winning some domestic silverware, well, their only chance, sorry, is, is to, to retain the FA Cup this season. So I'd like to think they will sort of come out fighting in this game and, um, you know, and try and put that, that bad performance against Chelsea behind them. How much of a motivating factor do you think that is, Howard? Because they, they, I mean, they're going to want to come out fighting, surely, after after what happened at Stamford Bridge. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the intensity was there tonight. I mean, Pep said, you know, that Newcastle's the bigger game, I think. Yeah, or it's hinted as much, and it is the bigger game of the two. I don't think this team, let's not forget, this game was originally pencilled in as a Saturday night game, I think. So... Mm. I don't think there's been any problems with the atmosphere, to be honest. So it is an advantage to City that it's now a Sunday evening game uh, behind closed doors because, yeah, yeah, it would have been an absolutely cracking atmosphere uh, for that game, at least at the beginning. Uh, 
I, you know, for all the criticism of and the mistakes and the problems this season, I don't think this team does have a problem with the intensity and focus when it matters. So I'm fully confident that they'll be fired up and ready for that game on Sunday. How are you feeling about about potentially winning the FA Cup? How do you, like City have been installed as favourites? Do, do you agree with that assessment? And are you kind of are, are, are you feeling comfortable that they've got a, that 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 they're in the right mode to do it, sort of thing? The, I don't know. There's two bit. There's, there's unknowns, is there not? Because you know we could be seeing a, a final played in an empty Wembley, so it's hard to say how they're going to go. But we're favourites for the one reason that we have the best team. Uh, so for that simple reason, we are the favourites. But there's some good, you know. Obviously, United are still in, Chelsea are still in, uh, though they play Leicester. So one, you know, one good team will go out, one will go through. Some good, you know, it's there's going to be some tough games, and obviously on the horizon is the prospect of. I think United will beat Norwich comfortably. Is the prospect of uh, an all Manchester semi final or final, hmm. and that in an empty stadium. Uh, it's probably better than the alternative, to be honest. <laughs> As a fan, anyway, just going, you know, if you, if you went in 2011, you'll know why. So, yeah. uh, it's honestly, it's it's a bit of a lottery because of the strange situation we're in. But I think, you know, despite what's happened against Chelsea, I think this team, you know, they haven't played until a week ago for three months. So I think generally the standard of play has been brilliant. Uh, I think, though, yeah, I think we're can be very confident. The problem before last season with it been some of our worst performances are coming this in this competition. So it was nice to get that monkey off our back last season. And I think they will be focused and up for this now that the league's gone. So yeah, well, uh, final point on the Newcastle game, Dan. Uh, I, I mentioned it to you before. Newcastle have been a, quietly a bit of a thorn in City's side recently. Um, it's maybe not as clear cut as it might be. No, I forgot actually. They beat us last season at St James Park, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I had forgotten about that. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. I mean, I watched Newcastle against Villa the other night, and they weren't very good. Um, I think they won the first game back. I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would, I would, you'd fancy City to win this game, wouldn't you? Really, if you know Foden is fit, uh, like uh, I would hope he is, you'd fancy him to to have a good game as he as he usually does. I think Gabriel Jesus will start. Um, Fernandinho will be suspended obviously that could be a bit of a problem but I think he took Laporte off um, with about half an hour to go tonight didn't he to probably save him for the, the weekend mm. um, so yeah I don't anticipate a big problem but you know after tonight's performance I'm uh, a little less, a little bit uh, nervy maybe opt- yeah. optimistic about City's end of the season than I was yeah well, that- to be honest they look very tired against uh, was it Villa they drew against yeah you know, cost me my accumulator so I hate them even <laughs> more now <laughs> uh, but they obviously you know these five subs they don't have the options we do to change eight players and still have a, a you know top class team so they were impressive in little bursts, and you know they've got a bit about them going forward now. But to be honest, you know I don't think they'll be in top condition coming into this game. So, well, that leads us on to uh, what is now a damp squib against Liverpool because uh, it doesn't that doesn't have anything riding on it. No point in uh, in, in bigging this game up in, in no, nothing going on in this game. Um, Absolutely pointless game, in my opinion. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, in all seriousness, now, Dan, it's um, are you just kind of glad that it, it's not going to happen against City now? I don't know, really. Um, 
I mean, obviously, they're sort of we've got to give them a guard of honor now, isn't haven't we? Which is a little bit humiliating. But I was talking to uh, my dad social and... distancing. I'm not sure they can afford to. It. It's, it's too dangerous <laughs> for me, you know. Are, yeah, are well, they humiliating though? We've never we've never done it, have we? I don't think so. Yeah, but are they humiliating for players? I don't think they are. That's all. Maybe not. Yeah, Should yeah, fire them up for next season. For, for the, it's more for the, probably more humiliating for the fans, isn't it? Yeah. No, uh, uh, <laughs> I'm not humiliated that we that our players have to do a guard of honor. You know, it's uh, I think it's quite a nice gesture in a way. But yeah, I know yeah. the fans will go mad about it, but I don't know. Play the reserves. <laughs> Play the kids. That's what that, make the kids give Liverpool a guard of honor. <laughs> yeah. Well, Klopp, Klopp was saying after their game last night that he said, "Oh, I've, uh, every football fan in the world is going to want to tune in for this game against uh, City next week." You know, talking about it being an incredible game. And I, at the time, I was like, "Yeah, I'm well up for this." And I was talking to my dad the other day, and he was saying, "You know, it'd be a nice sort of um, way to sort of sign off on the season, the league season for City. If we beat Liverpool, if if you know the title hadn't been decided by then, we beat them, we put it off for one more week, and then that's it. You know, we've we've had a bad season, but it's got, sort of finished on a on a high note. So we've been denied that as well now, which is a bit annoying. Um, it does. I mean, it does take the pressure off this game, though, doesn't it? It does. I mean, I still don't want to lose to them, even though it, it's utterly meaningless. Because you know, I think Howard mentioned it earlier. That there's a few records of theirs of ours that they're going for now. The hundred points. You know, I think they're on course for 107 points now, aren't they, Liverpool? So um, we, we'd like you'd like to think we would sort of stop them from doing that. I'm not. Um, I'm not that bothered about that though, because like, like City were the first to 100 mm. points, and will always be the first. So, like, whether if Liverpool get 102 or 105, 107, whatever, I don't. It, like, they're still the second team to have broken 100. You know. Yeah, but then they'll be the first to 107, won't they? Yeah, but nobody remembers 107 like you remember <laughs> bang on 100. Do you? First to three digits. That's that's different. But I'd rather yeah. they didn't. But more important is a trophy. What is more important than you know the scoring records or the goal records or anything like that? So. You know, I'll be quietly, very, very quietly pleased if they don't, you know, go past a hundred. But it's not the be all and end all. But I'd rather they didn't. <laughs> so mm. I'll change my tune if they end up on ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> where where does the rivalry that's that's kind of emerged between City and Liverpool over the last couple of seasons sit with you as a fan in in comparison to the other rivalries that City have had? And I was thinking about this because City have some really weird rivalries at times. <laughs> well, you get the names. Uh, well, obviously, Which is like, yeah. like for no reason. Like, like yeah, really hate Ipswich. Yeah, oh, do you know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> oh, with good reason, yeah. Because <laughs> they mocked us when we went down. So. Exactly. You never forget, never forget. <laughs> so. uh, well, obviously, no, it will never be as big as. Well, in the, the people don't see on Twitter. I've seen your Liverpool fans. No, we'll never be rivals with City. Well, you will because the absolute definition of a rivalry is two people or teams going. F- competing for the same thing, which is exactly <laughs> what we are. So you are, by definition, our main rivals. But I know what people mean. They mean like, you know, the old-fashioned rivalry. It'll never be as big as United. Uh, I don't really need to explain why, unless United, you know, plummeted four divisions, which sadly is not going to happen. So, well, it's uh, time yet. There's plenty of time yet. There is, but yeah. <laughs> if the Glazers keep up the good work. But no, I mean, it's always United first for, you know, as I say, for obvious reasons. But we do have a proper rival. If you're, if there are two teams, and it might change now. I thought City and Liverpool would be the best two teams for years and years to come. But the landscape's changed a bit now. I think see Chelsea being contenders, United are buying, will be stronger. But if you know, if if Liverpool and City do remain the top two teams, 
then by definition, it, it's one of the Premier League's great rivalries. Now, charity bet time. Uh, at the moment, we've we've raised £750 for the Christie, which is a cancer hospital in Manchester. And we're doing it by predicting City scores this season. No wins on last week's show. Two more to go for the next one. Um, what what are we having for Newcastle? Let's uh, let's start with you, Howard. What have you got? I've gone for 3-1 to City. 3-1 uh, City is 9-1, to one, so £90 if you're right. Uh, what are you having for Liverpool while we're, while we're doing this? I will go for an entertaining 2-0 draw. Which is 10 to 1 and £100. Uh, Dan, what have you gone for for Newcastle? I've gone 4 1 for City. Uh, 12 to 1, so £120. And Liverpool? I was clearly feeling very optimistic when I did these predictions. I've gone 3 2 City. Uh, 20 to 1, so uh, £200 if you're right. I've gone 1 0 at St James's Park, which is 17 to 2 and £85. And uh, because I'm trying to raise money for the Christian, I'm, I'm not trying to just hope that City win every game. I've actually gone for a Liverpool win at the Etihad. Uh, 2-1 to Liverpool, which is 10-1 to 1 and £100, uh, which I will feel vindicated in if I win the money. Um, you've got to be 18 or over to gamble. Prices can change. Please gamble responsibly. And for more on responsible gambling, have a look at begambleaware.org. Uh, now, many people think that this season has been similar to Pep Guardiola's first in charge at City. I think, Howard, you mentioned that before as well. Um, with the football back up and running, we're getting back into our series of flashbacks as Rob Wilson takes us back to August 2016 when Guardiola first arrived at the Etihad. Pep Guardiola's first job as Manchester City manager was to quickly assemble a team he was happy with, with the biggest casualty being Joe Hart. A City regular for seven seasons, he was controversially loaned to Italian side Torino as the new boss attempted to completely change City's style of play. Incoming were Bundesliga stars Leroy Sane and Ilkay Gundogan, Spanish international Nolito and Everton's John Stones. Replacing Hart in goal was Chilean international and former Barcelona goalkeeper Claudio Bravo, whose ability with his feet had been the driving force in his transfer. And things started well for Pep's new look side, with a Sergio Aguero penalty and an own goal from Paddy McNair, enough to secure a 2-1 win over Sunderland on the opening day. In the studio, the panel were keen to focus on City's future without their favourite goalkeeper. He's a very good goalkeeper, Joel Hart, isn't he? And everyone's looking at this this problem with his his kick in, which you know City fans have been highlighting for years. That's been an issue, hasn't it? And, and Guardiola clearly wants a goalkeeper who wants to be able to to play out from the back. And I think you know he is the best manager in the world. And we do kind of have to bow to his wisdom and say, well, if he doesn't want Hart and he wants Claudio Bravo or whoever is his goalkeeper then so be it. As they had done during Pellegrini's final season, City raced into an early lead in the title race, winning each of their first six games. The most important of those came at Old Trafford in the Manchester derby, as goals from Kevin De Bruyne and Kelechi Iheanacho were enough to take the points from Jose Mourinho's United. After the game, Claudio Bravo's erratic debut caught the eyes of the panel. We've got to accept that, you know, Hart's gone now. and He was, he was a great servant at the club. You know, we don't know what's going to happen in a year's time or anything, but... I still think, you know, he's he's not coming, you know, dominate the box there and caught that. And if we're buying him really for the footwork, there was times where, you know, it was quite impressive. That flying start would meet a sticky end, however, as heavy defeats across the Christmas period saw City fall to fifth in the table. In truth, the players were struggling to adapt to what Guardiola was asking of them, and uncertain displays from Claudio Bravo, particularly in four goal hammerings by Leicester and Everton, were beginning to raise doubts in the minds of the media and the City faithful. Richard Burns spoke after that defeat at Leicester. To play that high line against 
becomes the, a fast striker, then you've either got to be ridiculously good in possession, which is obviously something that we aspire to under Guardiola and keeping the ball, or you've got to be able to get back once the team breaks the lines, and we, we couldn't do that. Um, I mean, you watch for almost all seven of the goals that we conceded between the, the Leicester and Chelsea games. Just in shot is Kolarov running back trying to keep up with, a, with an attacker. There were high points, though. A 3-1 win over Barcelona at the Etihad showcased what Guardiola's style of play could bring to Manchester, as football journalist Will Unwin saw. Sergio Aguero is giving that extra 10% that Guardiola's wanted from him, and the likes of Sterling won't let anyone rest, Silva's giving everything to stop, stop them getting out, but no, they're, they're doing it superbly. After an early exit in the League Cup to Neighbours United, City lost a high-scoring last 16 tie against Monaco in the Champions League. An incredible 5-3 win at the Etihad was turned over by the eventual French champions, who went on to reach the semi-finals, with future City stars Benjamin Mendy and Bernardo Silva part of their lineup. Tactically we set up in the wrong way, um, we had a two goal lead and we set up like we were chasing the game. I think Guardiola badly misjudged it and it's not a hindsight thing by not playing Yaya, I think, I think every fan or layman thought that Yaya should have played. We were just crying out for somebody to put the foot on the ball in the first 20 minutes. City's best hope of landing a trophy in Guardiola's first season, then, seemed to rest on the FA Cup. A quarter-final win over Middlesbrough set up Pep's first Wembley trip, a semi-final against Arsenal. After having a goal controversially disallowed, City eventually took the lead through Sergio Aguero, but goals from Nacho Monreal and Alexis Sanchez stole the victory for Arsene Wenger's team, who went on to win the trophy. With City now resigned to a season without silverware, the first time it had ever happened to Guardiola in his career, qualifying for next season's Champions League had become a priority. Thankfully, new arrival Gabriel Jesus was ready to make his mark. A dominant and stylish 4-0 victory over West Ham in February, with City's new Brazilian star playing a crucial role, saw the kind of football that Guardiola had wanted his side to play from the beginning. As the season drew to a close, City's rate of goals and style of performance only seemed to be improving. They won six of their last eight games to seal third spot and head straight into the Champions League group stages for the following year. City saved their best display until the very last, as they scored four first-half goals before going on to win 5-0 against Watford at Vicarage Road. Every year qualifying for the Champions League will be tougher and tougher and tougher. And uh, we are there, and now the gap, especially in the Premier League, is so big again, again Chelsea and, and Tottenham. We are going to try not work, we're going to try to play better. The only way to improve is playing better. No tackles, not run, is play better. And we are going to do next season to the gap against uh, against Chelsea and Tottenham reduce it. So with the 2016-17 campaign ending as the second trophyless season in three years and their third in a row without the Premier League title, improvement was definitely needed. But with a man regarded as Europe's most demanding manager leading them, and with the final few games of the season providing hope that Guardiola's methods were starting to return positive results, City looked in good hands. They had everything in place to return to the top of English football. All they needed to do now was prove that. Hello, this is Jason Manford and you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. 
This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast. I look back there at Guardiola's first season at City. We're going to finish with Ask the Panel. Send your questions in for next week on Twitter at Blue Moon Podcast is probably the best way to do it, but you can email us as well through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. Uh, John Simmons has been in touch on the emails to ask, how do you feel if the top six don't play in the League Cup next season? I'll be annoyed as we won't get the chance to defend it for the third time in a row. Um, this is an interesting one, and it's something that Guardiola has spoken about recently. Um, this is what he said in the in the pre-match press conference uh, for, I think it was for the Burnley game, but it might have been the Chelsea game. I've got all these games that got mixed up. Um, but th- this is this is what Guardiola said on the topic anyway. Yeah, it will be nice to play it uh, as a competition, so three times in a row. So we would like to, to defend this title on the pitch, not off the pitch, but the situation, the COVID-19, so the Premier League start later, so... So I don't know. It depends on the calendar and we're going to that. The situation is exceptional. And when the Premier League or the Carabao directors decide what we have to do, we're going to do This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Facebook.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. So uh, not giving much away there. Um, Howard, what, what, what's your gut instinct on this? I mean, I, I, I feel like I'd be disappointed with this. Oh, yeah, I would. Uh, I think... I don't think it's on league position. I think they said anyone in Europe, so we could still be in it anyway <laughs> next season. But I'd be very disappointed. It's at the very least just treat it as a, a you you know do just just don't put us you know as good a team out. You really blood some youth in and treat it that way and lower expectations and enjoy it even more. You know I don't feel there's a need for teams to drop out completely it's you know just treat it uh there's always players that aren't getting football that can can play in these games so it was always on the cards that this would be the fit you know would be the first casualty if we have a truncated season uh you know the 2021 season but yeah i mean it's given us some of our best moments and happiest memories might not mean it's not the biggest trophy in the world but it's about experiences as a fan uh what is it five times we've won it is that right? So the last decade, five brilliant trips to Wembley and days out, and yeah, and those semi-finals against Everton. It's just yeah, be an absolute shame not to be in it. So. Yeah, uh, Dan, do you echo those thoughts? Is that, is that your sort of position as well? Yeah, well, a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it is a bit sort of been there, done it, bought the T-shirt for City now. I think, hasn't it? Um, you know, if we didn't win the League Cup again in the next few years, I wasn't, be, I wouldn't be devastated. But I do like the competition. I like having a cup competition so early in the season um, and a final. Um, you know, really early in the season as well. It, it, that's nice. Um, and I think got to love a cup with three handles as well. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> I, I think I kind of feel feel sorry for the idea of, of what, what they would do to it. I mean, I was talking to some, some guys at work about this the other day and they were saying, oh, you know, it would give, you know, clubs like Newcastle or Aston Villa or, or Everton or whatever the chance to win a trophy every year. And it's like, well, they have that chance anyway, don't they? We played Aston Villa in the final this year. Um, often you get sort of the bigger clubs as Liverpool did to an extreme level this year playing their reserves in, in the in the competition. Um, and it just if you're sort of taking the big teams out of it, it becomes like the checker trade trophy really, doesn't it? It's just, it it's de- devalues it and it's sort of devoid of all meaning. So I don't think it's a good idea at all. I think if, yeah, as, as sort of how I said, if, if teams, uh, if, if the big teams aren't happy about playing it, just play your reserves and, and see how far you get with them. 
Yeah. Uh, if you'd like more on the League Cup and City's relationship with it, uh, because of this, we're, this is what we're talking about on this week's Patreon bonus show, uh, asking why the fans love it so much. Uh, that's for $2 a month, and it's available from patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. Uh, meanwhile, Blue Joe on Twitter asks, what do you think of City spending more than anyone except Liverpool on agents' fees last season? Um, just just in, in, in terms of raw numbers, City spent £29 million alone on agent fees last season. Uh, Liverpool were the highest spenders at 303 million and United were in third at 27.5 um Dan that feels like an awful lot of money that's that's kind of going out of the game yeah it's well it's a bit of a scourge on the game isn't it really I think a lot of these agents are taking the piss and um it's 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 a shame that uh they're allowed to have so much power you know the likes of Mino Raiola who's a super agent George Mendes who's got his fingers in all sorts of pies I think they are you know there should be tighter regulations on on sort of the influence that they can have and and yeah that is an obscene amount of money but at least we didn't spend as much as Liverpool so Liverpool bought the title is that what we're saying (laughs) I'm I'm happy to say that if that's if that's what if that's the line that we're going with Howard are you are you in the same sort of boat? It's it's a difficult thing for for fans to really get that upset about, I suppose. Well, yeah, it's just part of the fees, though, is it not? So part of the huge amount of money. It's I fail to understand why they make so much money and how why they're so important. What astonishes me, if you're seeing from Liverpool, uh, Liverpool at Arsenal this week, I think you know Liverpool obviously. You know, if if they're just top, it's neither here nor there. If they're one million ahead of City or two million ahead of United, it's just a huge amount of money being taken out of the game. Yeah, as a fan, you've always had this this thought that you know a team wants to buy a player, they want to buy it from another club, they approach that club and buy. You know, they have discussions and buy them. But you look look at Arsenal, how you know so many clubs are dominated by a super agent. And their transfer policy just seems to revolve around who he's got on his roster, which is a very strange way for clubs to be run. Mm. Uh, I don't, they are, for me, you know, I see very few. and They're not good for the game whatsoever, but they are just part of this modern game. You know, this, the huge amounts of money will attract these sort of people. And fair dues to them for earning huge amounts of money for moving the players between clubs. But it's difficult for clubs because they unsettle them, you know, it's difficult that players get unsettled by agents because obviously they will make more money if players keep moving around. So I don't, I don't think it's good for the club at all, but we've all kind of just resigned ourselves that this is how it is in the modern games. Well, uh, speaking of resigning ourselves to it being how it is, uh, that's it for this week's Blooming Podcast, the one where City have lost the title. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, with next week's Liverpool match also taking place on a Thursday, which is the night that we usually record, it may be that next week's show is a little bit late as well, but we will be back next week, whatever time we get to record it. Um, if you've enjoyed the show, then please give it a rating and a review in all the usual places, and please consider becoming a Patreon backer. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash Podcast. Uh, but for now, special thanks to my guests, Dan Burke, Always a pleasure. And Howard Hawking. Yeah, pleasure as always. I'll be back next week and I'll see you then. Take care. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast.